Great. Welcome to IDCOM's Media Snack episode 23. So this is a slightly different uh, one. Uh, I'm here in Florida. David, you're in London. I am in London. The reason that we're doing um, the live broadcast today, um, obviously we're in different countries, but um, there's a lot to talk about. I'm here uh, in Florida attending the, a conference uh, by the ANA, the Association of National Advertisers in the US. Um, and every year they do a number of different conferences, as we know. But um, every year they, they pull together one of well, the biggest global conference for marketing procurement. Um, it's called Advertising Financial Management. It's been running many, many years. Um, and it just keeps getting bigger. We had. Uh, over 700 delegates here this week. It finished. Uh, it's just just finished the conference now. Um, started on Sunday, uh, and it's a great forum. Brings together all the marketing procurement leads of all some of the biggest brands in the world um, to you know, share learnings, um, discuss some kind of key topics, and importantly, just to kind of network and um, and kind of reconnect. And so, um, Tom, the the kind of the big focus on on this year's uh, conference we thought would be some form of announcement on the back of uh, the ANA's transparency investigation which they've been conducting for the last exactly. uh, four or five months. Has, yeah. has, did, they, did they share anything? No, well I mean I think that that was the intention of everybody coming to the conference. When we booked, I mean we, we booked up back in September or something like that I think, yeah. um, and this was uh, as the this rebate investigation you know, as as viewers will remember, there were uh, two firms hired to do that. K2 Intelligence, which is a kind of corporate um, investigations firm, partnered with Ubiquity uh, in the U.S. to provide you know marketplace knowledge and domain expertise in media. Uh, the process kicked off, as we know, in kind of September time, and the anticipation was that this perhaps would be the conference. Given that where this was essentially launched as a principle last year. Um, that it would make sense for the ANA to be reporting back. I think that was their well. I know that was their original intention. Um, early early versions of the agenda did have that in it, um, but over the last month or two, I think they've understood that there's uh, there's been more. Well, the K2 investigation has been more substantial, and they've had more interviews and evidence. I think maybe than they anticipated. It's taken longer to write the reports around that, and so therefore. The ANA had announced that the, the report uh, wouldn't be ready in time for this conference, and so this this very large agenda. I mean, it's staggering the brochure that they give you. I mean, um, the very large agenda didn't really cover much um, that in terms of the actual specifics of the report. But there were two right. th two things really where this, this was covered. On Sunday afternoon, um, uh, Bill Duggan from the ANA hosted. On the Sundays, they do this thing called the town hall. So last year, it was all about media transparency. This mm -hmm. year, I guess the intention was to talk more about media transparency, but they didn't have enough, uh, perhaps on the back of the K2 reporting, to be able to do that. Um, so they did that on programmatic media buying. Um, okay. And if you look in, if you look in the brochure, let me read this to you. If you look in the in the brochure, they describe the programmatic town hall, and it says. The town hall will highlight recent ANA learnings on programmatic buying. So they've done a little bit of research on this, uh, for our members, and then transition into an open discussion 
to get the input of conference attendees. Okay, mm -hmm. hence the town hall. Um, that was it. So the um, bill had presented the findings. Um, the challenge is though that programmatic is, is such a, still such a complicated and slightly intimidating topic yeah. for many of the attending marketing procurement delegates. And actually, when the when it was passed over to them to to yeah. kind of contribute to the discussion, there was a, a marked silence. Sounds quite yeah. awkward. It was a, it was a little bit awkward. Um, yeah. Um, so that was that was the only reference to to you know issues around transparency and, and the way that the A and A are, are are kind of pioneering this whole investigation themselves. It was just within that town hall piece. Well, they, on, yeah. The, well, there was one other one other point which that came up. Um, so Bill had done the, the town hall. Um, you know, it's a shame that the, the, the attending group didn't really engage with the with the with the discussion, perhaps as as he uh, hoped. Um, but the following morning, on Monday morning, um, Bob Leodis, who's the CEO of the ANA, who leads the ANA over here, um, yeah. made his opening remarks. And again, this is in, in, I'll read you what it says in in the brochure. I think you probably can't see this, but it says opening remarks. Media's big four concerns. So I thought, okay, this is great, really good. So maybe this is—he's going to kind of tackle thing. Um, you know, I think his intention, as I understand it, from you know hearing from others, um, was to talk more about media. Um, yeah. As he was, his opening remarks were quite broad, still very interesting, very you know, and very insightful. And he's a—he's 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 a great leader for the for the conference. So he kind of set it all up, but it was quite a kind of broad. Perspective. It wasn't as sharp on media as perhaps we thought it might be. He did reference media right at the end of that, uh, his opening remarks, and he talked about these four concerns, um, which he listed as being fraud, ad blocking, measurement and viewability, and then transparency. Okay, so I thought, right, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll get to transparency maybe right at the end. Um, mm -hmm. He provided a, a one slide on the an update on the K two. Um, Study, um, yeah. and which which was quite interesting because what they've decided to do, and I think this is that this is the right thing to do, is they're going. They've asked K two and Ubiquity to report separately. So even okay. though they've worked very closely together through this process, actually I think it makes sense for K two to report uh, the facts. I mean, he called it marketplace behaviors and facts. That's K 2s responsibility. So they will present. Right. The evidence that they've gathered over the last six, seven months, um, as a as a standalone report, and then uh, in as a, a companion to that, Ubiquity uh, will give kind of marketers guidelines and guidance on some of the implications, and they called that, um, uh, yeah, companion report, which will give uh, transparency on trading practice. So how to get greater okay. transparency in trade practice? So we we hope that that would be a um, you know a very practical set of guidelines I think for marketers to deal with some of the evidence maybe that K2 have, have uncovered. Because I mean that's that's actually interesting because the commitment by the ANA at the beginning of the investigation was that they would simply provide guidelines on yeah. the back of their findings. Yeah. The fact that the fact that they have uh, now issued a statement to say that they were actually going to provide uh, some facts behind that or accompanying the guidelines I think yep. suggests that uh, maybe they have found something quite interesting and so and so finally just just on this and wrapping this up when is the when is the report uh, when are the the, the, the guidelines and, and the accompanying k2 report 
going going to be published. Yeah. So uh, they keep saying late spring, but you know, as I've kind of been around asking people what that might mean, um, it looks like either the, the last week of June, uh, last week of May, or the first week of June. So my impression is that there's there is something substantive that I think is going to be reported here. Um, Good. You know, hopefully that will that will you know engender some positive change and uh, you know shift the debate back up to where we've been trying to get it to to talk yeah. about uh, transparency as a kind of key principle of, of trust yeah. in, a, in a relationship. Speaking about uh, about clients and, and, and their their involvement in the conference, I was looking at the uh, the agenda um, and uh, you know two notable brands were presenting Coca-Cola the the chief procurement officer from, from North America at Coca-Cola yeah. was presenting, uh, as was the CMO from Target. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did, you, did you attend those sessions? Yeah, I did. I did sat on both of those. Um, they were separate sessions. Um, but, you know, the, this is a funny conference because I think everybody anticipated that it was all going to be dominated again by media transparency conversations. Mm. But that was notably absent. Um, and so you're kind of struggling to find a theme in things. I think yeah. you know, the ANA perhaps had had to dilute the agenda a little bit or change the agenda around a little bit. Um, so it was hard to kind of hear what a common theme was. But, but the, what, what you just talked about, the, the, the CMO, CPO, yeah. um, that's Chief Marketing Officer, Chief Procurement Officer, in case people uh, want to know. Um, that I think was a was a good theme. If there was a theme, it seemed to be a recurring conversation in lots of presentations. Yeah. Was how to get marketing and procurement working better together. Um, and yeah. the two you just mentioned, which was Jeffrey Jones, who's the CMO of Target, which is a big yeah. retailer in the U.S., has been very successful um, and kind of rega well regarded for the quality of their marketing um, versus other retailers. And then uh, Christiana Ruggiero, who's the uh, the C the Chief Procurement Officer for Coca-Cola in the whole of North America. They yeah. presented separately, but with a common theme. And mm. um, Jeffrey Jones from, from Target is that they've managed to get, he, I guess he's championed this, yeah. marketing, all the marketing and all finance people in the entire organization are incentivized with the same targets, and yeah. they have the same goals. Okay, yeah. so they, and they and they're bonused in exactly the same way. So that was just fantastic to hear because that's something that you know you and I have talked about yeah, a lot in the past. Yeah. You know where where you know marketing and procurement are at some kind of tension uh, within a business that can, has a trickle down effect, mm. um, which means that you know from a from an agency perspective, when it comes to media, from an agency perspective, you sometimes feel like you have two separate clients. Right, you have your marketing Absolutely. client. Yeah. Really wanting one thing, which is to drive yeah. growth of brands, and and the, the risk is that you've got a procurement client, perhaps, who's looking for something else because they're incentivized on a five percent cost saving or something. Yeah. Um, so he said aligning those two was a really big deal, and I and I think we totally agree with that. The CMO yeah. and the CPO have to be aligned, um, yeah. you know, within the corporate structure, and that makes things a lot easier. Makes a lot of sense. And then on the on the kind of flip side of that, then. Uh, Christina from from Coke, uh, who's a CPO, then talked about how they were trying to empower their procurement, their mark specifically marketing procurement. And bear in mind, she's CPO, right? Mm -hmm. So she looks over lots of different spend. Marketing obviously is only yeah, one yeah. one small part of that. 
Um, but within marketing, she said, we have to train procurement to be good at marketing. So they've invested mm. heavily to create specialists in marketing procurement. And marketing is not seen as a kind of transient procurement job in the sense that, you know, you change categories. You try and yeah. build and retain knowledge within marketing procurement. And then they've taken marketing procurement and made it sit within marketing and report up through marketing lines, which is, um, which I think was quite a new thing for them. I don't know how... Well, I mean, I, mean, I, 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 I used coke. to work. Yeah, I used to yeah. work at Coke. And, and uh, I mean, in fairness, it was a long time ago. Uh, and procurement were heavily involved in the supply chain. Um, mm. But they had absolutely no involvement, certainly within my division, uh, in, in marketing. And, and, and whilst, you know, Coca-Cola went through an enormously successful period uh, mm. through the 90s, uh, um, you know, I mean, they were perhaps less accountable uh, when it came to where that marketing and media investment was was going, because yeah. the share price was constantly increasing and 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 business was very very good, uh, but now with procurement becoming more and more important within large corporate organisations for the right reasons, uh, embedding them within marketing I think makes such a uh, such such a lot of sense, yeah. uh, and it's obviously worked. Right, so they didn't. She I think she illustrated a number of case studies that that illustrates how. Uh, how successful that integration has been yeah. for the Coca-Cola company. Yeah. yeah. It was just really good to hear. You know, you don't, you, you don't hear much about Coca-Cola's procurement because they're most often kind of celebrated for their marketing. Yeah. Um, and yeah. she gave you a real sense that there's a, there's a great strategy and, a, and a, like a, a sophisticated procurement organization that sits behind yeah. a sophisticated marketing team. Yeah. yeah. So both, both, both Christina and Jeffrey... But actually... But in, yeah. sorry, Tom. In, in in stark contrast to Pepsi, if you remember, we, we well, covered yeah. we, we covered the issue, uh, 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 you know, in a very early uh, media snap, where PepsiCo had uh, you know uh, dismantled, if you like, their entire marketing yeah. procurement uh, department division and made that the responsibility of marketing. So yeah. um, you know, whilst perhaps you know the the responsibilities and roles remain the same within there. The distinction between who is responsible, whether it be marketing or, or procurement, is very different for both of these companies. Yeah. Uh, closing on the uh, the conference, uh, but keeping within the I think the kind of the, the U.S. link, we've we picked up both on a on an interesting article that relates to uh, a communications company called MDC Partners, right? That. Um, own uh, a number of very high-profile uh, marketing communication companies, not least Crispin Porter, Anomaly, 72, and Sunny. Um, and uh, there's been a, 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 a report from a Wall Street company that has questioned some of their financial reports. And, and actually, that got traction this side of the Atlantic as well, because it was, it was profiled, or the story was, was featured in this week's uh, trade press as well. Um, have you heard much about that? Has there been much talk about MDC and their, their financial situation over in Florida? No, well, uh, I mean, judging by the parties that MDC was throwing here in Florida, I don't think the situation is, the financial situation is too grave. Um, not that I attended them, actually. I wasn't invited, obviously. Of course. Um, I was too busy working. Uh, but the story, <laughs> that, the story that you remember, that you, that you, um, that you refer to, is kind of interesting. MDC is a, is is uh, one of the holding, it's kind of smaller kind of holding companies 
outside the turn of top six um, and own a, a mixture of different agency assets, creative and media and others. Um, yeah. They hit the headlines uh, for the wrong reasons last year when the CEO, um, Mars Nadal, had to step down after the SEC here found irregularities in his expenses, corporate expenses. He was forced to pay back $20 million. $21 million he had to pay back. Um, and the SEC investigation is ongoing. There is still, it's not done yet. There may be more. Um, but, I mean, that had kind of died down. Nadal out of the way. They got a new CEO in. Um, mm. It seems to be kind of settling down. And then uh, this guy, uh, Daniel Yu is his name, who's a, a, a well-known well uh, investor. But he's mostly known for being what's called a short seller. So he'll kind of bet against stock. Um, yeah. And he wrote a very long blog post explaining why he was going to short the stock of MDC. Um, on the back of that report, which I think came out on Friday last week, um, the share price dropped a fair bit. Um, That's right, yeah. And it's the first time. I mean, we've been talking about look, you know, over the over the last few years, the the the, the share prices of agency groups has performed incredibly well, and. You know, in conversations that we've had with investors or analysts, the question always is: you know, is this sustainable? How are agencies going to maintain this level of of growth in profit? Um, and it's a good question. We don't have the answer to that. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing this. We'd be doing something else. Right? We'd be sat on our boats in uh, Bermuda, um, in Florida. Yeah. Florida, yeah, a bit cheaper. Um, uh, but you know, we, so we don't. We have no crystal ball. We don't know. But it's a, it's a really good question. How are these groups going to kind of sustain that? And we were wondering. And I've been kind of curious as to whether anyone's ever going to going to bet against it. You know, has it has it reached a peak? Um, yeah. You know, and you th and you think in the context. I don't think Daniel Yu is investing is is making this position because particularly around media transparency issues, when you think about the issues that are kind of on the clouds that might be gathering over some of these large agency groups, yeah. I wonder whether that could have an impact on their future yeah. profitability and growth yeah. Um, yeah. if that report is particularly damaging. So I'm curious as to whether anyone would short stock. Turns out that somebody yeah. has. This guy has put a big position against MDC. Yeah. Um, Although, I mean, they, in fairness to, to, I suppose, to, to um, Gotham, I think, I think his company's called Gotham yeah. City. Um, you know, MDC are somewhat of a of an easier target. Uh, yeah. Interesting to see whether he would he would go short on on Group M or WPP stock. I mean, he yeah. with with MDC, he believes that you know their stock price is is overvalued by the by the tune of ninety two percent, and he yeah. thinks they're sitting on a, an enormous amount of debt. Uh, you know, he he challenged their organic revenue growth targets. Uh, you know, they they predicted a seven percent organic growth uh, uh, increase, and, yeah. and and he suggested that it was actually going to be nearer one and a half percent. And and when they came to the market with their first quarter results, he was actually right. You know, their 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 organic growth figures were up two and a half percent or two point three percent. So far nearer to to his uh, approximate uh, assumption rather than. Perhaps their predicted one. So, so I think he's, you know, he's having a go at NBC for, for, you know, accounting reasons and for, for concerns that he has. It would be interesting to see whether he would do that with one of the, one of the kind of big five or six players.
Yeah, and and you might think, you know, right now that you'd be foolish to bet, bet against the big groups, um, you know, continuing their 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 rise. The new CEO of MDC is uh, they did their earnings call yesterday, uh, yeah. and he was very bullish, as you might expect, and so yeah. pushed back and said that the, yeah. the uh, Daniel Yu's report was uh, yeah. entirely inaccurate. Um, but so we'll see. And, we'll keep and that and that has been supported by a number of other Wall Street financial institutions that yeah. have have backed and supported uh, MDC partners. So um, yeah. perhaps he's a he's a he's a lone voice in this. Yeah. But nevertheless, it makes for an interesting story. Does indeed. We'll keep an eye on that one. Okay. So um, and then I suppose finally uh, we are going to do a little bit of self promotion. Uh, we have a webinar planned for uh, next week. Mm. Uh, we are going to uh, share the results and, and, and perhaps slightly more narrative around the transparency study that we conducted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think you and I are going to host a webinar. It's going to take place on Wednesday the 11th of May. Uh, the time is 12.30 uh, uh, British Standard Time, so just after 12 o'clock in the afternoon. The duration of the session is going to be an hour. And for anybody that uh, is interested, then there I think there's going to be a link uh, that uh, that Nadia will place uh, on this media snack that you can go through and, and register your interest. And also, if you go onto uh, our website, there is going to be a way that you can you can register that way as well. Following the the transparency uh, insights and research that we can that we'll talk about next week, we'll have a slightly more um, workshop-focused kind of practical session about how to take some of those insights and how to work with your agencies if you want to, you know, if you're interested, as you should be, to, to increase your levels of transparency, um, how to go about doing that. So, you know, some good sessions coming up. Um, if you're in marketing, procurement, an agency, and you think transparency is an issue, um, it's definitely going to be worth an hour of your time. So follow the link and, and uh, sign up, and we look forward to you being on the call next week. Okay. All right. Well, I think with that we'll close. We will allow you to get back to your cocktails, uh, and uh, you know, don't forget the factor fifty, Tom. Um, and uh, next next week uh, we'll be back to normal. Uh, yep. You and I will be sitting here and uh, delivering media snack number twenty four. Yep. Uh, in the meantime, uh, it's goodbye from London, and uh, a very goodbye from Florida. <laughs>